everyone. Welcome back to Free Kick, the AFLW Fantasy Podcast. Today we've got the gang together again, specifically Liam. How's it going? Thank you specifically, Mel. That is the smoothest throw we have had. And it's round seven. You are, you're back in fine form. Uh, mm. you've, you've really worked off the rust from your safari trip and you're, you're back in fine form. I'm, I'm actually pretty good. Oh, I saw a bunch of footy on the weekend. My team actually did all right. My trades weren't crap. I didn't accidentally leave a rookie on field like a dumbass. So I basically oh. ticked all the boxes on my to-do list. Nice. Um, which games did you get to? I got to see Essendon and Richmond at oh. Dreamtime at Icon. And then funnily enough, I went to the other game at Icon and saw just a slop fest mud tackle-a-thon between Carlton and Collingwood on Sunday afternoon, which high-scoring fantasy game, low-scoring on real-life enjoyment points. Gee, gee whiz. I guess I shouldn't have asked because you live literally right next to Icon, don't you? Yep, I do. <laughs> Strolled over to watch some games. Um and Will, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad at all. Uh, another good weekend of footy, as uh, Liam's mentioned already. Mm, which games did you get to? I know the answer to this, but... <laughs> I only got to one game this weekend, and Mel already knows the answer because we went to this game together. Uh, this was the GWS St Kilda game, which uh, was a very enjoyable game live. Lots of exciting players to watch there, so had a really good time at that one. Lots of exciting players and lots of teams that... Don't don't have the best game plans in the wind. I'm gonna put it that way. There was uh... man that wind though. Like we were we were sitting on the forward line uh, on the fifty, and you could just see the ball totally blow in the air. It's like straight straight straight. Boom! <laughs> it was uh it was really windy, and actually that was a fascinating game to be at. Well, obviously uh, we have missed watching Frio and Geelong play in person to go to that game. So that's always Correct. a. A funny sacrifice, but also Geelong's a bit far away. But um, we were sitting there beforehand counting how many players we had in our fantasy sides in this game. And I think together we were up to like nine or ten current players combined. So that was actually fascinating to watch from like a, I know all of these players playing in this game, which is weird because neither of those were like my favourite clubs or anything. But Yeah, absolutely. I've always really liked both St Kilda and GWS. So I had uh, quite a few players that I was there specifically to see. I don't get to see GWS much considering they're uh, an interstate team. So it was really nice to be able to see the Giants and uh, have a chat to some of the players afterwards as well. It's also one of those really frustrating moments that not only are they interstate team, but you think about all of the fantasy superstars that play for GWS, and yet somehow they can't put together a winning side. It's it's boggling. I I I'm almost frustrated, but boggling. It oh, boggles me. It bothers me. Oh, yeah, well, it also does that too. But yeah, just so many talented players and yet so few wins. I really would love to see that improve next year. I mean, you could say the same about West Coast. Well, yeah. Let's, and we'll um, just leave that there. Um. <laughs> How dare I have to play against the team that finished first, even though that's the only final side I've played from last year. How dare they schedule it I like mean, this? he has a good point. This is referring to the recent article about the coach being unhappy about the fixture of 1st versus 17th. He has a point. When there's only 10 rounds, it is incredibly frustrating that teams don't get to all play each other. But, yeah, that was a little bit – it's a timely choice to mention that for him. The other game I got to this weekend was the North game. I went with Season 7 AFLW Fantasy content creator Azza, which was awesome. Um, and I also just really wanted to see the North girls play in person because because they were playing at the place next to my house, similar to you, Liam, uh, last season. I actually watched like four or five of their games and I was like, oh, I haven't got around to see the North girls play. 
And it was great. Got a beautiful video of Jazz Garner kicking the goal. It was just, it was cold, but it was nice. That was a long chat about AFLW, but I love it. Let's go on to... Oh, Will. On an AFLW pod. I, I do have one other thing. We normally talk about our favourite moments on the weekend, and one moment I specifically want ah. to highlight is Courtney Hodder's mark. That mark is going to be mark of the year for by a mile, and I reckon it would go a long way to being the mark of the year across both competitions, men's and women's. If you, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It is an insanely good mark. You know what's outrageous is I would actually say that the most outstanding thing is the three goals from the same pocket at Arden Street that all could conceivably win a, a goal of the week nomination, and yet only one can get it for this week. It's almost as ridiculous. Like the mark itself is incredible, but the fact that three North Melbourne goals came from ridiculous shots from that pocket, it was a highlights weekend. Obviously, Ponta is going to win it this year. That's a guarantee. I also agree that Hodder is going to win Mark of the Year, and we could probably just stop doing nominations from now on. I feel like that's a, that's so nice. <laughs> just call it. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, um, I might start off with my trade recap. Oh, sorry, with my round recap. Uh, I did not do that well this round. This is the first time I've gone backwards, uh, which isn't saying much given where I started, but I slipped down almost 300 spots to just be within the top 1,000, which is kind of the opposite end of where I wanted to be. I wanted to be just outside the top 500, but alas, here we are. Um, my trades this week, I traded out Smith, was discussing on the pod, should I do it or not? Knew I shouldn't do it, but oh well. Um, so lost some money on Shearer, bringing her in. McLaughlin to Brown, who was a frustrating watch, uh, Millie Brown, as she fumbled over the ball a few times and, and didn't really but do much did with it. But did take a kick in. She did take a kick in. I was cheering so loudly (laughs) when I saw that in front of my TV. I was like, yes, plus three. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, I'm joking (laughs) from how excited I was. How did she die? (laughs) Pure excitement for a defender scoring 25. (laughs) Oh, golly. And then uh, Davies, who didn't play over to her replacement, Rakin Karras, which was a good call and got to meet Karras after the game. So overall, score 1384, ranked. 968 and it's not that I really had any well actually I had two bad players but I also just didn't have any of the the players that went bonkers this week so just just not a great week for me but not really much I could have done about it I'd like to say what about you Will? Yeah I um had to trade out Claudia Gunjaka um long time coming uh got her to O'Driscoll, who wasn't dreadful, but didn't quite hit the, the peaks that we'd been seeing. A 62 was mm. fine. Uh, trade out Swanson to Tilly Lucas-Rod, which was a good trade in the end. And McLaughlin to McClay, who scored a 31 to get 11,000, which I guess I'll take at this stage. Um, <laughs> yeah. Scored a 1553, round rank of 304. Moved back into the top 400 for my overall rank of 344. So my goal is still sort of around that top 200 mark. And we're putting in that little high-level summary in. Basically, halfway through Sunday, I was feeling pretty great about it. I was like, I'm sitting on 1470 and I've got Kate Hall to come. Feeling pretty good. Going to jump a fair bit. And then the West Coast game happened and so many people overtook me, including a very, very happy Liam who's just given a massive fist pump with a muted mic. Um... So that that uh 
made me feel a bit strange about having a well above par score because I was like, well, I did well, but I didn't quite do as well as I was expecting this week because we saw some massive scores this week, some 1,600 plus scores. Um, Liam, you didn't quite get to 1,600, but you still had a massive one. Tell us how you went. Yeah, look, I got to 1,583, which I'm chuffed about. I don't think I nailed my trades either. So I went Tiana Smith to Amy McDonald. And for all intents and purposes, that should have been probably 100 plus for both G-Prez and AMAC. The problem that Geelong had was they were just so even sharing it around. It was a training drill. And that really did stop a ceiling from either of those players. But, you know, I think I traded in a premium. I'm happy with that trade in the long run. I then went... Mia Bush down to Amelia Borg, who managed to score a 44. It's a pretty trying conditions on an incredibly tough matchup with Talia Randall. And I would say that she acquitted herself pretty well and is a name that, having now watched her more intently for two weeks, I'm adding to my list of third-year breakout players, given she'll be in her third year after a draft. And she looks like a pretty decent distributor in a Port Adelaide side that... Uh, yeah, struggles to score and struggles to stop people scoring. And then I went uh, Alana G down to Renee Karras for a low time on ground but relatively respectable score to make me some cash. Hmm. In terms of my movements, I moved up in rank to 339, which is two ranks higher than my previous highest rank of the year. And what nice. is also funny, it is... Will you are 344 this week. My highest rank for the year is 341 to now. And the other thing is, we are now one point different. Liam is ahead really? of me by a single point. So, Liam, cutting in you come. <laughs> Ships are yep. side by side. That we can see each other. It's the middle of the day. Uh, we've passed each other in the <laughs> night. And now we've closed the gap again. So, yes, I uh, my rank now is 339. Uh, I had a round rank of 118. My goal is probably now to be within, say, 50 points of the top 100 by the end of the year. I'm about 160-odd back of the top 100 at the moment. So I think it's doable. I think I've got a pretty good side without many big weaknesses in it. I might have to look for some high-priced pods to be able to get there, but I think it's really going to be possible. And, yeah, look, I, I, I thought I would have a good score this week and then West Coast Melbourne happened and, and Kate Hall couldn't kick straight and Melbourne didn't do anything in the first half. And Charlie Thomas uh, turned out to be this week's Hannah Priest and that was just a, a sight for sore eyes. Yeah, and it must be said, going into that um, Melbourne West Coast game, I was, I think it was at least 100 points ahead of Liam. I think it was, I was on 14.70 and Liam was on about 13.60 odd. So I was sitting there going, oh yeah, feeling feeling pretty good. Um, should should maintain my position as the, the pod leader. And then that, I just watched every single quarter, Roberts and Thomas just continually staying at the top. I'm going, he's, he's reeling me in here. Uh, I really lucked out there. There was, I, I think from about five minutes in, I was looking at the scores on DFS Australia and... I can see at the top of the leaderboard for West Coast is my two players that I've highlighted in yellow, and they didn't move. They were the two yep. highest scores for West Coast for the entire game, pretty much. And they did it in really sustainable ways, too. And in the end, I was just glad that even though she didn't quite put together the massive score that we were hoping, Kate Hoare at least got up to a, an 83, I think it was, because for a good half of that game, she was sitting on a 
relatively low score for her that I was thinking, I might not just get past here, I might get might struggle to get over fifteen hundred. <laughs> considering yeah, she, from where I started. And and to be honest, that's the first time there was a half this year where Melbourne have not been able to hit hit Kate Hoare on a lead and have actually been looking pretty poor going inside 50 if your name's not Alyssa Bannon. So, mm. yeah, that was a surprise. I certainly didn't think I was getting this high score. I thought I was going to be low 1500s. I was expecting something lower from Ella Roberts, but, look, she's a superstar talent and I think probably going to be in our fantasy sides for so long as she's a forward because she's just a, a legit superstar. And a friend of the pod. And someone who knows about fantasy too. Give her points for that mm. as well. Shout out to Ella Roberts' dad. <laughs> <laughs> the new Tiny White's mum. Yeah. <laughs> Who likes all of our Insta photos for context. We're not just randomly making jokes about people's parents. I think it's Karen. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Karen White. Thank you very much for your support. <laughs> oh, golly. Um, so moving on to our Kiara Bowers plus four for your best player. Liam, do you want to continue your monologue or do you want to... Oh, I, can, I can keep talking about this player for, for a long time. Uh, it's Charlie Thomas, and I'm going to say that this is my best trade of the year. Hmm. Brought her in, uh, I think it was round four, coming off the back of the 30, was coming out of her price cycle. I liked her role. We've, we've known she's a very talented footballer. We had interviews with players, and they, they'd known internally she's a very good footballer. She had takes, kick-ins. The ball is in West Coast's D50 near permanently. They think had the fewest or second fewest inside 50s for second a game fewest. of all time. Second fewest. They're, the ball is there. She's got a perfect role. And yeah, 111, I think the score was. Yep. It could have honestly been higher. She went off with about five, six minutes to go and then didn't come back on. And you know what? I sat there and I wanted to be frustrated, but I couldn't because that was just an elite score. Mm. She led the, the game for possessions. And in a side that got absolutely smacked, she had actually a really good game. Yeah, that that's very deserving. Will, this is a player that I didn't actually think that you still had. Yeah, I um, would like to start by Charlie Thomas is the greatest trade that I didn't do because 10 minutes, <laughs> 10 minutes oh. of time has uh, meant that I haven't had Charlie Thomas for the last three weeks. But the player that I have as my plus four this week is Britt Benici because I know a lot of people have been saying, oh, do I trade Benici this week? We knew she had a rib injury going into it, and I thought, nah, Rip Benici, she's a superstar. She's had one down week, back her in, and I'm glad I did because she got 119. Very, very happy with that. So, yeah, Rip Benici, very happy to have held on to her, and she's almost a bit more of a, not quite a, a point of difference because she's still... I think she is a bit more a point, point of difference now because I think quite a lot of people did trade her out because there's only 7% ownership across the competition. And 14 and a half in the top 1K. Yeah, and 14 and a half. So almost a point of difference for me now, which I'm quite happy with. She looked really good. I can't deny it. It was it was tough knowing that I'd, I'd traded her out in both Marrera's Magic and Classic in the last two weeks. She looked back to that kind of run and spread best. But the, the true difference maker for her was, I reckon, I was obviously there watching live, not hand counting stats, but at least three holding the ball free kicks mm, yeah. for, which is just the, like it's what Turbo has used for a career to, to put together huge fantasy scores. And that's what BB-8 was doing. And it really did suck having to watch it, not <laughs> owning her anymore. And 
obviously that that game, like I talked about it at the top, it was disgusting. Like it was not that it was low skill. The just conditions were crap. It was windy. It was extremely wet. And Carlton's ability to transition the ball is not always amazing. And against a fairly well-drilled and experienced side, they could not move the ball. And, and Benici and Davy too, benefited from it massively, laying lots of tackles, running and spreading, and just exploiting a younger, kind of smaller side that often gets blown off the park on those kind of wet and windy days. Yep, that sounds about right. <laughs> Thank you. Don't have right, anything I'm to signing add. off, guys. <laughs> Yep, yep. Good night, everyone. That's uh, that's oh, the one yeah. for the week. Right, that's the end of our round round recap. Well, I, in my normal way of just not following the rules that have been set out for the podcast, I'm going to give my plus four Kiara Bowers to someone that's not in my side, but nice. someone I this really like. Me. I know, and that's Jack Dupai. I really loved chatting with her as an interviewee, and I've had my eye on her ever since as just an amazing player. And we've just seen her get better and more confident all season. Gold Coast doing amazing, much better than kind of they or we thought they would. And to come out as the top of the line uh, in terms of fantasy scoring, she had an absolutely massive game. And it's not as big as she went when she played West Coast um, in back in round two or something. I think she got 120 score uh, points. But to get 103 playing Brisbane, which are a really dominant side, is just absolutely amazing. To get across the board points, like she's just... She's becoming a fantasy-relevant player and she's also just such an important part of the Gold Coast side. And she always looks so happy. Like, you want to celebrate with her because every time she does something good, she knows it, she celebrates. It's just infectious smile. Liam? Two things I want to say. One, the only thing as a smile more infectious than Jack Depay is Jess Doyle when she realises she's kicked that absolute worldie from the pocket. It's <laughs> incredible, hilarious. I suggest go watching the video. In terms of Jack Depay, though, the way you've just torn this segment to shreds by picking a player you don't even own, I I think it's by the by at this point. It's now happened like four weeks out of seven. But I actually think it points to a real deficiency with Geelong, which is not having a tall defender. That's random. No, not Geelong. (laughs) (laughs) I I was like... Geelong, yeah, I want to use this as a launching point for a bit. No, it, it, Brisbane have a serious deficiency when it comes to taller defenders, not having been able to replace it, not having Jade Progelli come in and kind of be a rock down back as a result of another injury. You know, Phoebe Monaghan, Shannon Campbell, Bree Conan, they are that mid to tallish defender. And I know this might not be the world's most fantasy relevant point off the start, but Brisbane struggle to dominate games as much now as when they used to because their defence just can't handle that much taller player. So a Jack Dupai being able to score really well is indicative of maybe Brisbane are knocked off their perch a bit and you might be able to see some better scores because they don't dominate the ball as much. It's also worth noting that Jack Dupai, they are very commonly using late in quarters as a sit behind the ball interceptor as well. So essentially she's doing it at both ends of the ground, which um, is always fantastic for you to watch for your mm. fantasy points. So taking intercept marks and taking contested marks up forward. And to clarify, I have no one really particularly worthwhile handing a plus four to in my side because my speckies in Bates, uh, yeah. Blackburn, respectable, but started uh, Zero at like quarter time or something. And Zero at quarter time, correct. Yes. Yep. Uh, Zarika, fine. 
Shearer at fine. Like, it's just, there's no one that's super exciting to me, so I just decided to pick someone that does excite me. Fair enough. <laughs> can we can we now discuss the elephant in the room? Emily Bates, the minus three for this week. Yeah. Yeah. So for my uh, Paige Scott flop of the week, it goes to Batesy, and it's it goes to Batesy with a big freaking question mark, because not only did I not watch that game, but I have... Even reading the articles about the game, it's like, yes, Sydney put on a hard tag. Who? Who tagged her? What happened? Did the whole of Sydney tag Batesy? Like, can anyone answer my questions about what on earth happened in that game? 39 is, like, shocking. Either of you two? <laughs> Do I need to throw to one at you or you don't have anything to say? Uh, no, <laughs> I. so I was, I was... So my thing was I had both games on at once. This was at the same time as Geelong Fremantle. And I just traded in Amy McDonald. And so I was very intently mm. seeing how that was going as like my poddish in the midfield. Yeah. When I was looking in on the Sydney Hawthorne game, I had it on a smaller screen. I would have said the main thing I noticed was... It was an absence of Bates? <laughs> no, it's Tanya Kennedy. <laughs> and also just an absence of them on the screen, I'd say, mm. was the main thing. Like, it was just a hard tag. And we've seen now this year Sydney have a capable set of taggers. 67% CBAs from the tanker, and interestingly enough, low CBAs for both Gardner and Morfitt. So the difference and the piglet both had lower CBAs as a result. So advantage. Oh, advantage. Yes, the, advantage. The, adva- the advantage was not an advantage this week. It was the first no. week that she hasn't beaten Matilda Scholes. Mm. Three points lower. And we'll talk about this in a bit later, but she now fits into the category of is she overpriced and can I get some money there? And I think this is a good time for me to move into my minus three because, gee, I wanted to give it to her, but we have to talk about someone else. <laughs> and this is someone that has been brought up a lot in uh, on Twitter and just in general. She's one of my faves, but Hannah Priest, 30, just, yeah. Can we kind of shoehorn a retraction of my giving Nick Del Santo credit for giving Hannah Priest a consistent role about two weeks ago. I want to take that back. I want to wrench it away and say, what the F are you doing? I get putting Hannah Priest back as a defender. That's fine. You're short defenders. She's had a defender, good role before. She's a distributor. I don't know if the best role for your captain is to just have her pointing to where the ball should be kicked and not touching it. I don't know about you guys, but I'd like to think that one of your best users for the first six weeks might still be worthwhile as your captain a, a few touches not equal lowest for the game yeah we were watching it and she was quite literally sitting as the halfback directing traffic and it's a role that is oftentimes a very handy role gives stability to a back line not sure it's a role that needs to be deployed against GWS to be honest so <laughs> it surprised me and I'll I will say that that if they were willing to deploy it against GWS, I got Fremantle next week. Mm. So are they going to whip out the other bizarre? Like, it's like, oh, no, don't let anyone score against us. They weren't going to do it anyway. Like, I don't know. You, you're, picking, you're picking it against, like, one, I would say, one of, well, one of the three most poorly structured sides behind the ball but- in GWS and who don't move the ball forward well. 
why do you need someone telling everywhere to go? It's not been something you've had up to now. It does make sense, though. Like, for St Kilda, we're like, oh, wow, we could be contenders for finals. And the way that we're going to make that, I'm assuming, is on percentage. And so they not only want to win, but they don't want to get any scores against them on these easier games because GWS and Fremantle, two easy games before they go into Brisbane. So they're going, what? how big of a percentage can we make in these couple of easy ones? to give us a, a good yeah. chance that they probably didn't think they were having in the first few weeks. So I understand it from a gameplay perspective. It's just Plus, annoying. <laughs> I agree with Mel in that, like, it's probably better to get her to learn that role, play that role when it's not as critical. Mm. But, but she's done it before. I she's understand, I understand that. that. I, she doesn't need to learn it. She knows it already. I'm trying to figure out reasons for it, and that's all I can think of. Basically, similar to... Ellie Morfitt, we'll talk about this a bit more later <laughs> in the episode, but she's now a player that is considerably moved from my favourite sitting there forever to on the trade block. Wow, that was a big, big change in a week. Mm-hmm. And Liam, your Paige Scott? My Paige Scott goes to Emma Carney, who failed to do what she has done so many times in the past, which is... They're absolutely pumping aside. She's not had a particularly ball-dominant game because the ball's not there a lot. And what she does, she gets bored. She just goes up near the ball, maybe throws herself in for a few CBAs, has a decent last quarter, gets herself up to that 60 level. 60, 65, and you go, look, not what you're there for, but I paid for you at that price effectively. That's fine. Unfortunately... Only hit a 59 and probably should have had a few more points. Gave away some soft free kicks when there were kicks available. 55. Sorry, 55, sorry. She only had a 55. Didn't do what I needed her to do, which is just not give away silly holding the ball free kicks. Admittedly, she got burnt a couple of times by teammates. When she did do the classic fourth quarter, I'm bored, I'm going to sprint basically inside forward 50 to get a screaming hand pass and she didn't get it but i do expect better from someone who was priced as a top two i even think then she's a top two forward but yeah it's uh, top two forward top two forward yeah she's really good i was thinking about forward 50 and i've just rolled straight into it yeah i still think she's a top defender it was just frustrating that we didn't get that quarter that really sets her floor above basically anyone else Hmm. um will since you're here, would you like to do a very God. Will watch and wait scoreboard update? Yeah, the scoreboard hasn't changed a whole lot this week. We've got Fithers leading by 44 points, holds that number one spot for a third straight week. Uh, remains the highest in both our league and overall, of course. Top 100 marker is Evanator at 10,339. So the score to stay in was a 15-22. So pretty high scoring round. Uh, and our league has 36 players in the top 100 overall, so sort of holding that mark, I think. So not a huge amount to, to report on the Watch and Wait scoreboard this week. Only thing I would say is we've got plus three in terms of listeners inside the top 100. Hmm. And what's sad is I'm not on five figures. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone there, but Ripperino I think... Uh, for me. You're alone on this call. Yeah. <laughs> you are alone. Feel alone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thanks. Will was just like, oh, you're not alone there. I'm like, ah, but in this context. I, I, I was trying to trying to give the support, but yeah, unfortunately, Mel, you've fallen well short of the par this week, which hasn't really helped. I am aware, actually. 
Um, but let's move on to injuries. <laughs> injuries so, is Mel's team. Yeah. <laughs> Mel's ego. <laughs> oh, golly. Um, okay, well, look, in our Hot Topics, we're going to go through a couple of things this week. We're going to run through some injuries because we saw some shockers this week and just think about what that means for the teams and who else that might impact. Um, then we're also going to run through some role changes because much like the Hannah Priest discussion, which will probably come back, there's been another couple. Will is just doing some construction work in the background. Yep, sorry, my phone. Boy, boy. I'm feeling left out. I just want to bang the table. My laptop was about to pass out, so guys, <laughs> I have to edit this. <laughs> um, then we go into the overs and unders. So we're gonna have a look at some overpriced and underpriced players. How we could be shuffling them around. So there's a lot of names to get through in here. So that could be a longer section. Um, and then what do we do with our rucks? But starting off with injuries, I'm gonna run through a couple, and I'll throw to you guys to. Had any insights? Uh, we just saw about ten minutes ago that Elise Parker is, who was in a moon boot when we were speaking to her after the game, is confirmed out for the rest of the home and away season. I guess the immediate thinking is this makes Goldsworthy a must-have, and hopefully, hopefully, boost Sarika's uh, time in the midfield. That would be nice for me. Thoughts, guys? I mean, you've got to trade her out, Liam. Obviously, she's a permanent trade-out for me. It's just a question of do I search for value down sideways or do I go up to Uber Primo? We'll probably talk about that a little bit later. But I also think that the fact that she's now out for the rest of the season, going off in a moon boot, the fact that she stayed on the ground and still managed to score 20 points in that last quarter is a Herculean effort. She kicked a goal off the ground, watching her hobble around, not able to put any weight on that ankle and still getting around from kick to kick. She is... A superstar of this game. Tough as nails. It's disappointing that she's not going to stick around for the end of season trip in my side, but I called it at the beginning of the season just personally, like I guarantee you I'm going to have Elise Parker in my side. She was only in there for two weeks, but the fact she's done 100 plus with what is it, a season ending injury is incredible. I agree. We saw Abby Ballard do her ACL over the top of, my gosh, I forgot. Uh, Sarah Hartwig. Yeah. Oh gosh, that was horrific. Hartwig herself looked devastated because she knew oh, what had happened. She, she, she clearly must have been able to hear it, it or something. Yeah. Oh Ugh. gosh, that was unpleasant watching. This was, and I hate saying this, but as a Blackburn owner watching that game with zero at quarter time, this was actually surprisingly freeing for Blackburn, as I believe Ballard was tagging her and literally not letting her touch the ball at all. So. It means that there's going to be a bit less of a tagging role from Adelaide, I imagine. But what other impacts do we see this having? So I think that the tag, interestingly enough, started with Chelsea Randall and then Mm. it was Randall and Ballard. I think that Ballard leaving and then Adelaide coming into the hardest part of their schedule over the next two weeks possibly signals a return for Chelsea Randall back to the middle. But you've got to remember, she also has her own injury concerns after she went down the race at quarter time and got some knee bracing, mm. then spent off the last 10 minutes in the fourth quarter when the game was well and truly in hand for Adelaide, not on the ground. Now, she seemed up and about at the end of the game, but it's just worth noting that there are some openings there. Oh, actually, another one. This is courtesy of Bales. Um, Anne Hatchard with ice on her foot at the end of the Adelaide game. And has had foot issues in the past. So a lot of injuries, lot of injuries from that game. I think we'll come back to Hatchard in the next section, which is very interesting. Will, did you watch any of the Carlton game? 
I'm sure you did because you would have called it the Collingwood game. Uh, <sighs> but we saw a couple of interesting injuries there with Jess Good doing her ankle and Dalpos also doing her ankle. What are your thoughts about this one? Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I feel for Jess Delpos, that was not a good one. Um, but obviously, in terms of fantasy, the one that most people are most interesting interested in is Jess Good. Jess Good being injured basically means that Brianne Moody gets that full-time ruck position back, and that is... It has a big impact in terms of our fantasy potential because it basically suggests that we think Moody could go back to being that really good ruck option, but at the same time, she's actually now, and correct me if I'm wrong, Liam, the second or third highest price ruck. Yeah, um, she is. Yeah, super expensive. Super expensive. Um, only but... Only two thousand dollars less than ellie morford it's worth noting so it's a big decision to make but it's an attractive one as well i'll just add quickly on the prices based on some of the overs and unders we'll get to later i wasn't planning on talking about it but she's about 150 grand overpriced compared to her average so if she if she is one you're going to upgrade to you know you're going to be paying through the nose for it but does this role potential make it worth it liam Bree Moody alongside Hannah Priest are probably the flavour of the episode. But I will note that Jess Good goes off. Bree Moody has, I think, a 30-point quarter, which is her highest scoring quarter of the game. And it was also Carlton's best quarter in terms of their game. She is a true difference maker. And I know why they've played her as a forward, because she's an incredible mark. But she is so obviously mm. playing a full-time ruck and All-Australian. It is so clear watching it live. It would, I'm, I'm hoping, Will, it was clear on TV. She is next level. And I almost think that if you've got more fit and you're a bit bored and you want to do something spicy, I think the sideways is fun and exciting and something you could do. I'm already considering the sideways and I'm basically literally choosing between do I go for no extra money and go moody or do I go down to an Edmonds or a Strom? That's, that's one of the decisions I'm making this week. But yeah, like... Brianne Moody's been All-Australian ruck twice for a reason. She's quite clearly one of the best rucks in the competition. So if she is a sole rucking, like her average, she's already averaging a really solid, basically 80. That can push up. She's a 90 plus. And it's so funny what we were talking about last week, which is like, well, I mean, one or the other makes it less attractive. Mm. Now you have one. Like one is removed. (laughs) There is only one. With the caveat being that we don't know of the severity of Correct. just good at the moment. Correct. There is a chance but, that good could just could be a tweak, could be back this week. True. Don't know. But it's Wait also worth noting that they are playing GWS this week. So Renee Karras and Fleur Davis, and then next week it's Essendon. So Steph Wales, who topped the line, who she had her highest score against last year, and just absolutely mm. tore to shred. So, so it's it, it's almost in the um the Ballard camp where for fantasy points. Never wish an injury upon anyone. We hope Jess Good's okay. But if you're a fantasy coach, you'd be going, or oh, maybe just hopefully it's a two-weeker, two-three-weeker, just enough to keep Moody at that number one ruck position. But we'll see what happens through the week. Mm. Yes. Speaking of rucks and injuries, um, the Bulldogs, well, we saw a number of injuries happen to the Bulldogs this week, which is just unfortunate given they're a side that is under pressure to be performing uh, after not winning yet. And then they lost Dom... Carruthers said that correctly uh, to just the most bizarre concussion injury. Oh gosh, that was a horrific thing to watch. Um, 
Kristen McLeod to concussion and Keely Coyne, who came back on for a few minutes and then promptly left again. So they're obviously assessing that knee for later. It's also worth noting that that McLeod one was basically in the opening minute and she has had concussion issues in the past. So mm. Yeah, she pretty much didn't play the whole game. Not obviously a fantasy one. It's a, a terrible news for Kristen McLeod and we, we hope that she's she's okay. Yes, absolutely. What's interesting about this I found was that when I was doing, I did a little spaces with Bailey last week and we were having a look at who might be sharing ruck time with um, Alice Edmonds and he's like, no one. And I looked it up for hit outs and I was like, oh, someone called McFarlane. I've literally never heard of that name before. Like that's not ringing any bells. And I'm watching this game being like, McFarlane? <laughs> like, there, there they are. And I think she got a goal or something. Second highest um, number in the league. McFarlane. Too. McFarlane. Oh, look, yes, me and names. But, um, it's also Kirsten McLeod, not Kristen worth noting oh god <laughs> <sighs> okay well me and the bulldogs uh, we just disagree we've always disagreed <laughs> it's, it's worth it's worth noting that mel probably would struggle to name more than two bulldogs players so blackbird lamb but yeah hey mcfarlane <laughs> so back on track though that's really interesting because so she had been sharing some of the right time and then she kind of looked like she was stepping up a bit with all of their players out I think she could be one that potentially gets a bit of a benefit from the Bulldogs having so few players given given all of the injuries going on. I think the main thing as well is it speaks to the fact that the Bulldogs came into the week with a bunch of injuries. They managed Izzy Pritchard, which I don't have time to get mm. into why I think that's very surprising, but there's probably going to be some more role shuffling at, uh, at the Dogs, which, again, could be fascinating for fantasy, but could also mean inconsistency. Hmm. And then there was a few injuries going on at Collingwood. Um, Will, do you reckon there's anything kind of fantasy relevant coming out of these? Well, they're both players that we traditionally think of as defenders who are actually playing more more forward or a bit around around the grounds. I don't think so. Porter out probably just means that they're going to have to bring in someone else to play in that forward role, so I think that would be naturally probably be Tiny Brown. Brazelout's a bit more of an interesting one. Um, we know Collingwood struggled a bit with injuries in their backline this year and mm. kind of filling up forward as well they've had a fair few injuries to their tall so unfortunately for Collingwood it basically just means they're going to have to bring back whoever's fit and available to play those roles so I think they'll Would have to Slasher? shuffle Ruby well from this from what I've heard she's still at least a couple of weeks away so we will be okay. hopeful but I think that there's mm. a big chance that the line could be through her season unfortunately We've only a couple of weeks left in the season. Yeah. Mm. Can we can we please then uh, name and shame the Collingwood injury list, which has named her as a test, I think at least three times this year. To be fair, she probably does a test every week. <laughs> <laughs> Gee whiz. Test two weeks. Test two weeks. Yeah. So, yeah. Look, <sighs> you, as soon as you open your mouth, I was like, Liam's going to complain. So now, now that we've point. had this discussion, yes. uh, watch out for Ruby Slash to be named this week. But... um. Even then, I think yep. as a midfielder coming off a serious injury, I, I wouldn't be looking at it um, this season anyway. Could be a good underpriced option for next year. And the other really important thing to note that's not an injury but a uh, one-week ban is Matty Prasparkas out for a week. And what has been fascinating is Nan Scorn got named in the kind of best on ground from the match report. Uh, not that I saw that game, but I was just reading about it. With Prasparkas out, is Nan Scorn someone that you could bring back in? Uh, for the Bombers, uh, one game against West Coast, 
I don't think it's a bad idea if you desperately need the cash. Like, she is now playing more time on ground as a result. Jackie Vott has missed the last couple of weeks and that's the last few weeks, and that signaled more time in the midfield for Nance Gorn. She doesn't start the game on the bench, and she's a bloody good footballer. Two consecutive has to be said, is pretty good going. And the Bombers are dumb to take her off the ground because she is an incredibly good footballer. So I think that has now become clear and I reckon you can probably bank an 80, 85 this week in a pinch and like if you're concerned really about your cash gen, she's probably as good as anyone else priced at 800k. Well, she's priced at 920, so it's an awful okay, price. Okay, sorry, that's, I've got her last week price in my head then, but yeah, she can, she can score well enough. And I think you're probably only looking at that if you've got a midfielder who's not just over a million, but fairly well over a million that you're a bit concerned about. Oh, would that be like a... Possibly Bates? even Prosparcus or a Bates. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> or a Blackburn. I've got two. I've got, I've got options. Who else have you got in your midfield to trade? Blackburn's, Blackburn's fine, Mel. It's Bates that's the problem. She's going to kill cash. See, uh, it's, it's actually interesting, though, that you say that, Liam, because have you seen who Blackburn is playing this week? Sydney. Oh, Tanker. What did Sydney do to Mel last week? Batesy! Batesy! <laughs> so. And that's a big, that's an important win for, important game for Sydney because they can still make finals. Oh, wow, she's copping the Tanker tag. <laughs> Great. I, I wish I'd taken a screenshot of your face then, Mel. It was like <laughs> seething frustration, but can't be at me because I'm not the one who's doing oh, the Oh, I'm tagging. not frustrated. You, I'm just like. Mel, Mel's face at the moment is basically a swear word, so. <laughs> <laughs> So that's actually yeah, quite an interesting one to to think about because we hadn't we talked we've talked a lot about taggers in this podcast but we hadn't really talked that much about Sydney until this week with as you said the Bates one just sort of came out of nowhere to us and it was one of the most effective tags of the year for at least a half so mm. forced to consider there for for your Blackburn owners yeah cool. So let's have a look at some role changes and make me feel better by talking about Hannah Priest. <laughs> um, Actually, I'd like to I'd like to start off this role changes section by talking about Emily Bates, whose role was changed to not touching the ball. Mm. Yeah, Liam, you wanted to talk about trade down or trade out downgrade options. Yes, I think that what's happened to Hannah Priest, the fact that she played this role. Against a matchup that we've all discussed as being a little surprising is every you know it is a laundry list of reasons you can have to try and bank some cash because I cannot say with any certainty what role she will have week to week, which is something I said for the first three weeks of the year, and then I shelved because she'd played that same midfield role every week and she looked damn good doing it. And now we're sitting here going, she's absolutely destroyed her cash. So she came into the week. She might have. She wasn't at a million. She'd been a million the week prior, but she she then proceeded to drop 135k. She's now at 846. She's got a break even of think 110. She's gonna lose more cash next week. Mm. If we say that, I reckon she's going to score maybe 65 in that defender role. And when she's played as a midfielder, let's say her score is 75 to 80. Let's let's give her that as the range. I think there are other players that you could say score 65 this week, and you can bank 200k. 
I'm, I'm all aboard it as an idea because people, a lot of people don't have cash on their bench. I think you'd only be worried about the cash dropping if you don't think she's going to continue to be in the top five. I understand, like, she's got some tough matchups coming, so she probably won't. But I'm outside of that, like, losing 135 grand. If, you know, the saying from previous rounds of fantasy, don't fuck with your premiums. Like, if we think she's still a premium outside of this week and we think that role was just a once-off kind of test run, then I wouldn't be too concerned about losing money because so what? She's, you don't need to trade her out. But You don't need to crystallise the loss. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't because you're not there. You're not, you didn't bring her in for money. You brought her in for points. However, that requires points. And... 30 is not a lot of points. No, it's not. But... Do we think that there's anyone that's more going to be more consistent of a scorer? Because the thing is, she could go back to the previous role that she's had for six out of seven rounds in when they play Fremantle for the next few, or she could keep this bizarre one-round role. If she goes back to that original role, then loss schmoss, like it doesn't really matter. She's not going to make you any more money, but she's going to give you those, those points and she's going to be one of the top five most consistent scoring defenders. Carney had a down week. Evans had a down week. We know that the... Um, defenders are really hard. Is there someone that you think is going to be more consistent than her that you'd trade to instead? It's it's. I would actually argue that the problem is she's now very high on the least consistent players. So I think you can make the case that Daisy Darcy at six hundred and forty odd k. Will correct me if I'm wrong. She is, is at six forty seven. Is through the hardest part of her schedule now. And she still managed to, to get a score in the 60s against Brisbane, who were not an easy matchup either. She comes into the easier part of her schedule now. And we know that she is a target for Gold Coast to use the ball to transition. I think that if you ask me who is going to average more for the rest of the season, I'd say it's Priest, but I'm not going to say it's by a lot. And it's not 200k's worth. And that's what I think the problem is. I, I think we have to admit now that, well, I don't have to admit, but we have to realise that Hannah Priest is almost too selfless and willing to put herself or be in a completely non-touch-the-football role and therefore is is worthwhile downgrading. And I just want to sort of cap this off because we've, we've talked a lot about it, so I'll just finish here as saying, at the moment, in your back line, even if you've got Thomas and Carney, pretty much all of the top defenders are currently have an overall rank in terms of the competition for points-getters between about 50 and 80, which basically to me says you can throw a blanket over a lot of the defenders that are priced between sort of 700 and 900, and you're probably going to get a similar output. So there are options like your Daisy Darcy, who just for that little bit cheaper, you're probably not trading that much off in terms of points. So I think if you, if you do need money, it's not a, not a bad call. Yeah, and... I was going to mention it later, but we might as well bring it into the relevant part of the conversation. Daisy Darcy is one of the – there's very few players that come up as being underpriced. There's only about 60 or so when you actually compare their price stat to their break uh, – sorry, to their average and then looking at their break even as well for the cash gen potential. Daisy Darcy is one of those, um, owned by 13% of the top 1,000 at the moment. So if you were tra- – they probably just held her throughout. So if you were to trade into her, you're trading into someone that's already relatively well-owned she is about 24 grand underpriced though and has a nice, like her break even is nine points lower than her average. So it has money making potential. But the other one, which is kind of funny, and I didn't actually check their percentage owned yet, but Harriet Cordner, 
She's $40,000 underpriced. Her break-even is 11 points lower than her average. And if I can get this up faster than anyone else... 1% owned top 100, 14% owned in the top 1K. 14%. So about the same, but a little bit more of a value grab there. And she could be one where if you've got these kind of injuries going in Carlton, potentially, we don't know, but if there's two new injuries in Carlton, the ball gets in the back line a bit more. She gets used a bit more. It's possible. She could be one too. I think there are, she's not, I think she's third on the pecking list now. Kind of rounds one and two, she was much higher. And then Kez Peterson has come back and Karen scored, I think, an 80 off the top of my head and actually looked pretty ball dominant and is someone that we'll probably look at if she gets defender status next year as a kind of picker at the top of her line premium. I think that's the problem with Cordner. I also think that given how much cash you're going to bank, it's fine. Like, you can do it if you're super cash-strapped and you really need to get up to someone worthwhile. But it's not my preferred option. I, I actually think there's someone we'll talk about later, but there's someone else who played in that game that I'd actually prefer trading in. Oh, if this is if this is the player that I think it is, I am strongly considering it. Yep. I, I, know, I know that this is... Of course you're thinking about this player, Will. We'll leave, we'll leave that on, on tenderhooks and we'll go to the next uh, role change discussion. Look, the next biggest one is probably Sarah Verrier, much to everyone's annoyance, or maybe it's just uh, Will and I. So for you, or, you know, while you're up, as they're known for Indigenous Rounders, one of only three clubs that are changing their name, very proud about this, but has been thrown into the midfield, <laughs> of course. Why not? And what have we seen? A huge jump. She was getting 20s and 30s as a point, so now she's getting... Low 60s, middling 70s. Awesome. Um, will this continue to happen, though? Who knows? Yes, knows. You saw Kaufman on 100% on ground pretty much this week. No tackles. Uh, we saw Tig, who has forward. gone from... Tig has gone from playing tall back and then shuff, or forward, full forward, then shuffling behind the ball when they need her. And now she's gone back to her season six role of just full-time ruck. <laughs> so I don't know what's happening. Um, I therefore wouldn't be picking her even for this role change just because that's one I can't stomach if it goes wrong. I'd be very annoyed at myself. Thoughts, guys? I just think you do it for the matchup. She's got St Kilda this week. And I just she's going to probably rise in cash because her scores were so crap to start the year. I think it's the main thing. But does cash matter? Like, we've only got three rounds left. I wouldn't want to bring in someone with a big team-based question mark over their head. My thinking is like if you are desperate for cash, she's sixty two k, six hundred sorry six hundred twenty six k, sixty two k, cheapest player cheapest, by a mile, cheapest player in the comp, six two six k. She has a break even of thirty six point four. In all likelihood, if you're planning another defender trade because you're wanting to hold off because of a bad run for one week, yeah, fine, go for it. I prefer Darcy for twenty k more, but you know she's got the best midfield role of any defender at the moment. Plus twenty k might matter. So if that's what sure. you need, that's what you need. Yeah, fair. Okay. Anyone else you want to talk about their role changes? I think we've already mentioned Randall, but that was one that I watched. And then also in that game, Gabby Newton, I was surprised that she stayed as a defender, given that they'd lost Kirsty Lamb. but And they brought in Ferrers, who I thought might also come back as a defender, and that might swing Newton forward. But Newton was a defender. And then also had some CBAs, not as a ruck, but as a midfielder. She's seriously talented, 
I, I just, I think she's a continue watch. Like if someone wants to take a risk on a, on a real pod to, to try and move up the ranks, given it's Sydney this week, why not? Give it a run. Gabby Newton fits into the Sarah Varia category for me with a slightly better role, slightly better floor, slightly better role in that I like it. I like what I see, but she could be at full forward this week. Who knows? Um, I, I don't think she will be. I think she'll continue this role because the stocks are starting to get pretty thid, threadbare at the Western Bulldogs. But to me, it's a, if you need to do it, do it. But I think I probably wouldn't be taking that sort of risk myself. Yep. Okay. Hmm. Should we have a look at some overs and unders? Let's go yes, overs please. and unders. So what I've been doing here is to determine if someone is overpriced, which... A lot of people are. Um, <laughs> I've pulled out a couple of names here of players that have a price stat bigger than their average um, and just equated that to the dollar value based on what we know, dollar value for points. Um, I also am specifically looking at players whose break-even is less than their average, um, and meaning that they kind of have that exciting potential there as well. Um, and I've removed any kind of keep elites. Like, we're not going to be looking at trading out anyone that's overpriced if they're an elite. Like, oh, wow, uh you know, Robottom's overpriced. Cool, Everybody we're not Marinoff. doing anything about that. <laughs> Everybody Marinoff's um, overpriced. Trader out. Useless. Yeah. <laughs> Done with her. Um, and also then just to make this a little bit more interesting, having a look at all of these ones, it's still quite a few players that are highly owned in the top 1,000. So unfortunately, the obvious number one on the overpriced pile is Blackburn. She's 3% in the top 1,000. Over 200 grand overpriced according to this. And her break even is higher than her average. So she's going to uh, just lose money. Is now a good time to trade her out? Yes. <laughs> Pretty simple. <laughs> Pretty frank. Cool. Moving on. <laughs> Elise Parker um, was one that was going to be interesting as like a maybe, and then we saw this information about the injury, and now it's a definite yes. She's owned by 15% of the top 1,000, including you and Liam. What are you thinking as a replacement? Oh. Can't go past Ash Riddell, to be perfectly honest. It bloody hurts that I traded her out to begin with. So she is mm. the most likely player, and save for another set of injuries where I might have to look at her. But Ichi, I don't think it's going to change. Mm, I was really eating my hat after that North game because I remember saying that surely there's not enough points to go around inside North, that I, oh, not I enough activity going around that... Bruton, Riddell, and Garner all have huge games. Oh, look, they're three of the top four averaging midfielders this week. But I will say that this week, I saw the performance I was actually expecting from Bruton. That's Mia King, who was quiet. She didn't have nearly as many touches mm. and spent less time as a midfielder. That's what I was afraid of for Bruton. It turns out it doesn't matter because they can all score a besquillion points. They outscored Fremantle by 400-plus points this yeah. week. Like They Fre- were ridiculous. Do you mean Port Adelaide? Port Adelaide, yep. Yeah, sorry. And Hatchard, actually, because it's funny, you were mentioning her earlier with her potential iced foot injury. 22% owned in the top 1,000, 150 grand overpriced. Her break-even is higher than her average. This uh, question mark here, like, do we care? Is she one that we're ever going to trade out or no because she's Hatchard? Like, is this one people might be capitalising on? This one is really tough because I can't put my hand on my heart and say I know who is going to get tagged this week by Brisbane because they do have that Brisbane super tough matchup. And then the possibility as well of some foot concerns. I would be 
finger on the pulse as much as you can from training from all reports out of Adelaide just to see what's going on there. She is someone who you could make some cash from or if you don't have one of those top six scorers, you could possibly sideways. So make the call that you you really do want a uh, a Riddell that you don't already have. Or, or you want to make a value run out of Benici, or you want to go a Monconti and bank 150k. It's it's in that realm of possibilities with a tough matchup and a potential injury. Yep. So here's an interesting one. I'll throw to you, Will. Um, it's also a do we care? Isla Sheeran, fifteen uh, sorry, fifty percent owned in the top thousand, hundred and fifteen grand overpriced with a break even that's just slightly above her average. So like she's probably not going to lose money, but she. And like, you know, we've said in the past that she has a good run. Do we care? Does she fall into that elite power that we just don't trade anyway? Uh, yeah, I don't care. Um, in the last five weeks, she scored four 70s and a 60. She's got a last three games of 76, 72, 77. Um, got a fair few coaches votes, I believe, in that Essendon game as well. Leader. Uh, so yeah, to me, don't care. Keep her because... We were talking about consistency of defenders and that the defenders are really tough right now. Sheeran is one that we are able to bank on. So I would not be moving on Eilish Sheeran in the slightest. And for anyone else who is fascinated by this stat, she has continued the run of going high score, lower score, high score, lower score, high score, lower score, high score, lower score. From her first game, the run is still going and she is now, you know, 18 games through her career. It is outrageous. It is so watch out this week. She's going to score lower than 77. Yes, but she did that the week before and she scored 72. Oh, fine. Cool. Oh, I was just going to say, one for you here then, Liam. Bonnie too good. 42% owned the top 1,000. Also about 100 grand overpriced. But the interesting thing here is that a break-even is so high above her average, like one of the highest that she's highly unlikely to be making any more money. So you wouldn't be holding her because she's got a bit more money to make and then trading her. You're either holding her for good or you're trading right now and capitalizing on that overpriced. If you have her, what are you doing? I think you are holding because the run is great for Essendon, no matter which way you cut it. And the only way you could ever consider trading her is if there's word that She's going to have to spend time as a lead-out forward because Daria Bannister, unfortunately, has gone down with an ACL injury. That's the only way that you would do it as a cash grab, in my mind, because she has shown herself to have to have the ability to put together a stat line that I don't think we've seen. Mm. At least when we've been playing AFLW Fantasy, she's a ridiculously good footballer. And, yeah, the, her ability to kind of score 100 and make money not important is you know pretty outstanding. They play West Coast this week, so if you if you're concerned about you know maybe going to leading forward, I wouldn't be too concerned. The only thing I would consider is maybe taking a too good down to say a Goldsworthy who is in a fair fair bit of form, make you just under two hundred k. But I tend to agree, just keep Bonnie. She's in such good form, just leave it. And uh, the final one here for you, Will, then, we've got Kate Hall, 58% owned in the top 1,000. Only 58 or so grand overpriced, break even 11 points higher than her average. Um, <clears throat> coming off a, a weird week where those goals keep getting shared around, Bannon, 
Who was it last week? What's her Zanka. name? Zanka. Zanka. What do you do? I would, in 90% of cases, I would say just hold. She hasn't scored lower than a 70, so even if she's not scoring the massive score, she's got consistency that you dream of. I think there's a world where you might say maybe drop her down to, say, an Ella Roberts for an 80k profit, but beyond that, there's no one probably below Roberts that I'd be saying you've got to get rid of or got to get into your team that's going to do much better than K4, so... Yeah. I would also just like it put out there on Twitter, like on the podcast to the world, when I come to power in the AFL and the AFLW, I'm going to outlaw the 12-metre Kate Horde diagonal pass inside 50 because it is ridiculous how consistently she manages to get set shots on goal from balls that do not, under any circumstances, go more than 15 metres. Absolutely zero chance. She had four I reckon on the weekend, she takes the mark, goes back, and I'm like, you must know that didn't go the distance. And then, even better, at the end of the game, Will, I'm sure you enjoyed this, she then takes Alyssa Bannon's mark after Alyssa Bannon cramps. And normally you do that when the player is injured and they have to leave the ground. That rule didn't apply. Alyssa Bannon just got to stand there, kind of with the trainers, and Kate Hall took the shot. Missed, thankfully. But... Yeah, I, it's so annoying. And it's that, that's the reason why she's so consistent. She has like four shots on goal a week just from that. Rant over. Okay, I don't, I don't have anything to add. <laughs> um, but good. Great Shall we transition. look at some underpriced plays? I mean, what do I, what do I add to that? I don't know. Um, uh, Liam, okay. the, the transition is, Liam, stop ranting. It's unhelpful. Let's talk about some fantasy stuff. Let's do that then, and I'll leave that in there. On the underprized players, what we're looking at here is kind of the opposite. So it's really hard to find any hugely underprized players. So we've just kind of got a few where their price stat is below their average. And specifically, again, we're looking at players whose break-even is below their average so that they've got price gen opportunity. One that's come up here, which I think is fascinating, Georgie Prasparkas. I mean, we we had to objectively know that because of her scores, but... 62% owned in top 1,000. She's a little bit underpriced, but she's the only kind of elite midfielder that's popping up as being underpriced when you have a look at the names on the list. Um, her break-even is 13, 14 points lower than her average. If you have her, keep her because she's going to make you money at least, I assume, that you would then keep her and trade her out in like round 9 or 10. Here's my question for you guys. If you if she doesn't score that 140 in what was, I think, the highest scoring fantasy game of all time in round one, is Georgie Prasparkas a premium? Yes. Is Georgie Prasparkas an uber premium? No. No. No, I agree. Because I actually think that she has formed such a nice synergy with Amy McDonald that they struggle to dominate the game necessarily, and we've seen the improvements from a Darcy Maloney as a fantasy player, but even just a real footballer. They, there's no not as much need to funnel the ball just through a couple of players at Geelong. They've really built out a very nice, even roster. And Beck Webster comes off halfback, doesn't need the CBAs, but still impacts at the contest. I like Georgie Prasparkas long-term. She's a keeper, you know, top five potential. But yeah, she's just... And she's the tag target because she put a target on her back week one with her pure impact. And I also think that Morrison now having a proper preseason 
playing the midfield minutes that she should be has also sort of tempered that probably for all three of them mm. because they're all mm. now probably a 90 to 95 averaging player, which is fine. And as you say, Liam, it means they're very even in there. It means that they're very consistent. They're hard to beat from a football sense. But from our fantasy perspective, this is basically what we were expecting from North Melbourne, where, as you said, Mel, the points have can't all, mm. all go to one player. They're going to be spread out. And then Garner Riddell and, in this case, Bruton are just three very special players, it seems, because they're able to just keep getting all the ball and just keep scoring. We're not seeing that at Geelong. They're spreading out the points a lot better. Um, so, to me... If you can pick up Prisparkus as your M4 or, five, M4 or 5, not bad. You know, you're probably going to get around 100 each week. But don't be going expecting 110, 120. I'd almost say that you could... I'd actually be... I traded her in this week, but I think Amy McDonald, because she's not going to cop a tag. Yeah. She's not going to see attention at the stoppage. And, and Georgie's such a good actual footballer that she'll continue to see stoppage attention at a minimum. She saw it on the weekend. I think she'll see it every game. She basically plays until she shows teams that it's not necessary. The other one from um, Geelong while we're talking about it is Jackie Parry, who's the most underpriced player that you could reasonably expect to trade in. Uh, I don't know why I wrote down. She's $77,000 underpriced, and she's got a very low break-even, 14.5 points below her average like i think that if you're looking for a cheaper forward she could be a really good choice could be i'm just frightened by two scores in a row of 27 and 38 before this past round where against Wallyalup it was a score of 52 i think that what breaks this stat as well is that 99 she has mm-hmm. in the goal fest versus the western bulldogs yep that that kind of breaks the stat that first week against the Bulldogs has sort of skewed a lot of the Geelong players. Um, That's true. have probably gone back to where we would expect them to be. Because if you take out that 99 pack, you've probably got Parry averaging, what, about a 57? Probably less than that, actually. So, yeah. Look, a lot of, like, every player, in order to be underpriced, statistically, has to have had one very big score in there. Yeah. Um, I mean, the others on this list, we see Miller. <laughs> we see um, Jamie Stanton. But it's a question of, like, if they could do that then, are the conditions... Could the conditions yeah. arise in the next three weeks for them to do it again because we know they've got it in them and that's why they're coming in underpriced? You said that Geelong should win all of their remaining games. Ooh, I don't know about that anymore. Yeah, Will. me neither. I, I was um, underwhelmed by their performance, particularly last week against Essendon. I think they still can and I still think they should but it doesn't mean... I don't think it's now the sure thing that I thought it was after a very promising first week. Or first month, I should say. There are another couple of players that are really underpriced, and that's because they debuted in round seven and had big scores. Um, So just to rattle them off quickly, we had Renee Tierney. Absolutely huge score. uh, Means that if you're looking for a cash gen for maybe, what, we got eight, nine, ten. We've got three rounds left, so if you're looking for someone to make you a little bit of money for maybe a week or two, could be a good one. Um, Any insights from the Bombers' perspective, Liam? Uh, Yeah, Daria Bannister. Unfortunately, we've talked about her before, done her ACL. She is a like player and could play a similar high half forward role which the Bombers do use well for scoring. She's got I think the second lowest 
break even of all players, and she's a forward, so she's probably going to make you enough cash Tierney's just a, this week. Tierney's a midfielder. Oh, she's sorry, she's a midfielder. Sorry, a lot of people have two midfielders. I would say that yeah, bring her in for even just a week, and then downgrade and bank. What I'm going to guess probably about seventy or eighty k. She's one you weren't hot on last week, so that's interesting. Yes, but that's because Bannister wasn't injured, and then also it's very dangerous to trade in players when they come in as late-ins for for other injured players. That's why I yes. was concerned. But I think she showed enough to hold her spot, and she replaces someone who is injured. That's why I like her more. Hmm. Rux. I am probably not too phased to talk about Rux because I don't actually think I have the benefit of being able to fix my ruck this week given everything else that's gone wrong so i might leave this to start from you liam ruck dilemma or actually will yeah i do have the ruck dilemma because the advantage is no longer the advantage and rather a very very expensive player who's now back in the pack which essentially makes me think that i can make some money here and that's where we talked a bit about brown moody i'm essentially considering whether i go all the way down, and I say all the way down to Mimstrom, which gets me about a hundred thousand, or I go <laughs> just slightly down sideways to Brianne Moody. So it's going to be whether I want money for next week, or if I think that the benefit of bringing in Moody, who can average clearly the best as a ruck, is better than money elsewhere. So that's the conundrum I'm going to have this week. Then there's the conundrum which I'll throw to Liam for, which is the Matilda Scholes conundrum, because a lot of people are sort of not sure whether it's worth actually upgrading or just holding her or what the real position is. Liam, what's your thoughts? My thoughts are I'm okay with 65 because I feel like that's her flaw. She's now had four scores in a row in the mid to low 60s, and it's the fact that she can always seem to put together a quarter to be able to pump up her score that makes me feel okay. I would have strongly considered upgrading her to Brianne Moody this week, but with Elise Parker out, my hand is forced. I don't think that that's going to be possible for me. I really want to be bringing in premiums, but I think that Matilda Schultz up to Bree Moody presents a more interesting option to me than Morfitt because we don't see floor scores from Moody when she rucks. Morford has shown now what I think I felt at least was always coming, which is just she's a bit inefficient sometimes. She gives away a lot of free kicks. She has high levels of variance. It was surprising she put together so many high scores. If you've got her and you're desperate for cash, you're making 100k down to Edmonds, nearly 100k down to Strom, and then... I think another couple of players that we ought to talk about are currently the third highest priced ruck in Steph Wales. And then another name that we've all liked at different points, Intali Hickey. Coming off her best score in what ought to have been a hard matchup, does anyone there kind of strike your interest? Yeah, I still quite like Strom just because she's the second highest averaging player at a pretty decent price. But I think that there's a fair bit of Upside to, as you said, Hickey, but that's probably more of a risk. I think that the other important point for Morford is she still is such a young player, and the end of season we often see young players tail off, and that's what we exactly what we're seeing now. Could come back with a, a good game next week, but is playing against arguably the best ruck in the competition when Brianne Moody's not taken into account in Alice Edmonds, so 
that's probably my reason for thinking of moving her on this week, and I'm probably looking at a, a fair downgrade there. Oh, sorry, I just had a heart attack. I heard a noise, and I forgot I have a cat. Oh, boy. I think that Mimstrom is a good player because she's a good player. She gets a chunk of her points from tackles. Yeah, she has great hitouts. But I'd also argue that she's probably one of the only players in Frio that has a relatively consistent role in that they know that she can play in the ruck, so she's probably going to end up there. Although I would also yeah. argue that they put Tig back there, so who knows what's going to happen. But, like, those two are good enough that whether they're playing midfield or ruck, they're going to get pretty decent scoring. Whereas Talia Hickey, she's good because Brisbane are good. She gets a lot of her points from just the fact that Brisbane have great control of the ball and can have, like, nice clean possessions whatnot, but less from kind of, like, tackling. So... I would probably be picking Strom because I think it makes her a little bit more matchup resistant. I fully agree with you. I think the only problem is uh, I would have said up until this week that Mim Strom had the most consistency of any player at Fremantle and then she's kind of had that luster worn off. She admittedly still sits in a good spot on the ground when the ball is inside Fremantle's forward 50. She still sits on the outside there to take intercept marks, irrespective of whether or not she's playing in the ruck. But her ruck contests and her CBAs were well down uh, in this past week. I'm just trying to pull them up very quickly. So Mimstrom, oh, sorry, no, that's not true. She was at 83% still, but in terms of around the grounds, we did see some more from Anya Tig as a ruck. So I still think that Mimstrom is a super high-quality player. I have been hot on her since the beginning of the season, when we did that hilarious draft the team episode. But I yeah. I really think it's tough. Like, I think you could even make the case that we're, we're sleeping on Edmonds. We know she's got as good a ceiling as, as anyone, any ruck. And it's going to be tough to say she won't probably feast against Morfitt. Mm. Yep. I don't have the pleasure to be thinking about rucks. Bus, I kind of like Schultz, so she can stay. I would have been in Will's conundrum, but Parker out means I get to be smooth brain, no thoughts ruck. Wait, what do you mean? Do you have um, Morfitt? No, I have Schultz. I just oh, don't. Okay. I just yeah. I can't. Just I can't upgrade. Can't move. Mm-hmm. Just can't do a ruck trade. Nothing. Yep, that's how I feel. Um, do you want to do a quick run through your captain's corner? Yes, I can. Uh, captains last week were really boring because I think just about every single person chose Ebony Marinoff as their VC, and at this point in the season, most teams have a looper. So what I want to talk about is captains this week are fascinating because the teams that have the highest scoring players, high scoring midfielders, have both difficult matchups. North Melbourne have Nam, and then Noffy and Hatchard go up against Brisbane, which make it really difficult to just kind of lock it in straight away. And I think we're at the point in the year as well where if you're trying to make that last-minute grab, if you're saying, I don't want to finish 400th, I want to try and have a stab at getting top 200, you need to do it with captain score and take a a specky. Yeah, I also don't want to finish 400. That's just so disappointing, Um, (laughs) based on where I currently am. Okay, if you're 1,400 and you want to be inside the top 1,000, the same thought applies. Gardner becomes interesting. Yeah, yeah. Gardner. Gardner's fascinating. Gardner for me is now prime vice captaincy category. 
as the earliest playing sort of higher scoring player. So, yes, I I am fully on board with that as an idea. I had also talked about the possibility of going if you have um, Maddie Presparkas just rolling into that into a into a cushy matchup if you really needed it. I also love the idea of uh, Charlie Rowbottom. I think she will be incredible this week against, is it Port Adelaide? Yeah, Port Adelaide, they of giving up 1350 total fantasy points uh, on the weekend and two scores over 130, 140 to Jazz Garner. And with the way Robottom has been playing, you know, you could be confused for thinking she's not up there with uh, Garner as, you know, one of the elite premium mids, both fantasy and real life. So I, I'm going Robottom and Gardner, but I think we're, we're really going to have to be tactical. And if you haven't got one of those two, do you chance your arm on a Gardner or a Riddell, given we saw high scores from West Coast this week? Do you hope that uh, Hatchard plays and she's the one who cops the tag and Noffy can go big, which he's done in the past? And we saw Gardner have a massive score against Adelaide earlier in the year. There's some fascinating thoughts to have this week. I'm glad I've got Robottom because I think she's the safest scorer out of the top five this week. Mm. I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of straight faced thoughts Mel's, from Mel Mel's, on starting. Mel's at trade time. Mel's at trade time. Mel Mel's we're now at the stage. The of, we're now at the stage of the episode where Mel's you can see the gears ticking behind her glasses. The thoughts and I've finished the... a I've finished a point, and I'm waiting for Mel to have a thought so she can either throw to someone else or the next section. And Mel's just, hmm, no, I can't remember. Just, oh, just I don't know what this trade is. Stewing going. over the thoughts, just taking in all the Mulling. information like a sponge, just to put it into the next section, which I'm just going to take just over the hosting role here. Trade, trade plans. plans. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Phil. <laughs> At least it's not wine that's causing my brain to slow down this time. <laughs> it's trade thinking. Let's hear yours, because I feel like you got some of the most interesting ones. Yeah. My trades are going to be interesting this week. So my two main things that I'm thinking are Priest and Morphet in some way. And currently I've got Morphet to Strom, uh, because that gets me some money. And it creates an interesting conundrum in my back line, because there's a few options I can go for. It gives me enough money to go all the way up to Charlie Thomas who's clearly the number one at the moment with Priest having that week that she did, but it also means I'm basically chasing a high score. She's now nearly at a million dollars and pretty much a huge proportion of the top thousand have her. So I'm thinking my second option is a point of difference around the mark, which would be someone like a, a Chantal Emmonson, for example, who's been scoring pretty consistently over 60, probably going to do me about the same. weekend too. Yep, look look pretty good. And then there's the specy options. And this no, is no the, the speculative option was Emerson. That was a perfect. Let's just We're going to bring back to the specy option which we briefly alluded to much earlier in that oh, episode. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, yes. Good point. And that is Jordy Allen. Jordy mm. Allen scored 75 on the weekend. Admittingly, fairly horrendous conditions as well. She has dropped a lot of money and is now only 575. Prior to the previous two weeks where she scored a 26 and a 38, she actually hadn't dropped below a 50, which is serviceable. So it's one of those things where I look at it and go, if that 75 can be the norm for the next three weeks, 
that is a huge savings on a player we know can be premium. But as Liam said, but. The, the specky option was Chantel Emmonson. This would be a massive risk. Now, I think the reason why you don't do it is the fact that Carlson and Livingston were both out, which funneled a bit more ball her way. I think that's the that's the big thing for my mind, and if you want to discount it, that's how I'd be discounting it. I think in terms of defenders at 500k who are probably going to score decently, I really like Naomi Ferris, who I do not understand why she was not getting picked. She got dropped in debt round two. She had uh, the most touches on the ground in the first quarter on the weekend. What are they doing at Western Bulldogs? But I, I, I see what you're saying with Alan. I think it's fascinating for how much cash and the fact she's been a top five before. But, oh boy, that's, oh, yeah. uh, that's some cojones. That there is a trade that is essentially either going to basically get me to top 100 or it's going to send me back with Mal. So... <laughs> Wow. wow, Mel catching a stray after she said nothing. I, I, I wish I had a screenshot of that one of Mel's face. You've had some great facial oh, expressions God. this episode, Mel. I'm and just an expressive person. You are um, an expressive person, and, and I apologise for that drive-by. But um, No, that was great. But yeah, I, it, <laughs> it, it, it would be up there with uh, some of my more specky trades, and that's definitely saying something for me, so... I haven't also, pulled the trigger yet. At the moment, I'm sitting with Chantal Emmonson, but I think this could be a set of three trades that could change several times across the week before teams are announced even. I think that if Alan does well and she's in your side, given that you go for what Collingwood's your second team, you're going to be stoked. I think you should just do it. But then again, that was also my logic behind Good Jarka. Yeah, it was, so. which is the other reason I'm, I'm tempted not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> because you're going to end up with me. I'm going to end up doing scale. it twice. <laughs> Go Emerson, Will. Go for Chantel oh. Emerson. I've rated this a big, big time. She has a lock on kick-ins. Ugh. In terms of my trades, mine are actually pretty simple. I'm going uh, Emily Borg. <laughs> Emily Borg, 467k, down to someone at below, I think, 305k as a defender. I have not decided on who that's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be that important at this point. Is there many options? Yeah. Uh, pff, I, I haven't honestly. I've I had a trade in there. I've forgotten who it was. It might have been Mia Van Dyke from Essendon. Yeah. It could change. In terms of my next trade, I'm going Ella Heads down to Daisy Darcy. I don't like the fact that Heads has lost her kick in role. Someone we've not really mentioned in this episode, but McAvoy and uh, Lauren Zagetti, f- Pod Fave, Pod not so Fave now because she's stealing Heads' kick ins. And I, remember, I really it- go. Oh, I was just going to say, was it you where we were talking about, like, oh, McAvoy went big, and it's like, doesn't matter, no one has McAvoy. Yeah, it was. Um, we were looking at the scores from that game, and we thought, oh, McAvoy had a decent game. We're like, doesn't matter. Because, no. yeah. and, and it was a good avoid, because she didn't have the role. And then I am going to go Elise Parker up to Ash Riddell to have a very, um, a midfield group I'm very happy with. Mm. Noffy, Garner, Rowbottom, Riddell, McDonald. Nice. Um, I'm going to go Priest to Sheeran, right who I annoyingly traded out. Nice. Oh, no. And then I'm going to go heads to Cordner, who I also traded out. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> because please please tell me Cordner, you've got a three like from go, three. 
Three from three. No, luckily not. That would have been really... If I had Riddell gone like <laughs> Blackburn to Riddell, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, let's just reset to my freaking round two. <laughs> and then I'm going to go Blackburn out because out of the Batesy Blackburn drama, um, it has to be Blackburn. And Cordner and said Darcy gets me Robottom, who I have kind of never I didn't I didn't have her in my side last season. Haven't had her in my side this season. She's made a lot of money. I think it's about time. Knowing this now, she'll go down because I'm gonna buy her. No, 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 don't do she's that. incredibly expensive. That would be great for that. me. Well, because the other thing about the Geordie Allen trade for me, Liam, is if it would put me Tilly Lucas Rod up to Charlie Robottom. Oh, I think you should go Chantel Edmondson then. I really think <laughs> Chantel Edmondson is the play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we'll see. I usually leave my trades after Monday pending anything bad happening or anyone giving me a better idea. So, yeah, we'll lock it in there. And uh, we might wrap this one up. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and we are Free Kick W Pod on Insta and Twitter. Um, always have a look at our Insta feeds for our photos with the players. Always lots of fun there. And Twitter for all the random spaces. We seem to be jumping on one or two or three of us with Bailey and whoever else on Twitter during the week to have a look at teams as they come out. Um, you can find me on Twitter as HiMelD. Will? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at Will H underscore VI. And you can also find Bailey on the coverage of Adelaide Games if you look carefully enough. <laughs> Texting you. <laughs> I'm and probably Liam? at that point complaining about Chelsea Randall. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at specifically Liam. Uh, no, you can find me on Twitter at Liam AFLW Fantasy again on any number of spaces and Twitter conversations about uh, about the sport that I'm obsessed with. Love it. Okay, well, chat to you guys next week. Good luck, everyone. See ya. Bye.